Hello everyone, my name is David, one of the pastors here, and we are reaching the end of the book of James. Now this is a letter that we have been exploring for quite a number of months now, and we are now on the final chapter. And uh, as we get to the end, um, we find James, like a good teacher, he recaps and brings everything home. Uh, he, he recaps one of the themes in the book of James, and that theme is repentance. Now, that is a loaded word. What does it mean to repent? Well, repentance means James is calling the church to stop acting in such a way where there's fighting, where there's quarreling, where there are divisions, where there's prejudice. And he says, stop going this way, turn around, change your mind, and start aligning your life with the way uh, of Jesus Christ, where there is life. And um, he says, those who align their lives to Jesus Christ are people uh, whose lives will be characterized by two qualities, two qualities. And these qualities are patience and perseverance. Those who align their lives with the way of Jesus will have lives that are characterized by patience and perseverance. Now, talk about two qualities that we don't see a lot in our world today, patience and perseverance. And actually, I don't even need to look at the world to see the lack. I just need to look in my own life. Uh, I struggle with a lot of things. There's a lot that I lack in my character, but two things in particular that I lack are patience and perseverance. And this was uh, brought home as I was uh, driving here to to record this message, um, there's a car in front of me, and you know, the light screen, I'm like, oh, come on! And then the irony struck me that here I am in a hurry to get to preach on patience. Uh, patience and perseverance, well, I'll tell you, during this time of COVID, that's something that's also been lacking, isn't it? And I've struggled this past year, I have struggled a lot with patience and perseverance. I mean, there's moments where, um, you know, where I've skirted with a sense of um, uh, anxiety, um, bits of depression, uh, and feelings of hopelessness. And, that, uh, you know, I've, I've really, really lacked patience and perseverance in this past year. And I need to hear what James has to preach, what James has to say to us through his word today. And so the passage we're going to be looking at is in James chapter 5. And uh, it's going to be beginning in verse 7. So if you have a Bible, turn to James chapter 5, beginning in verse 7, where James will teach us about patience and perseverance. James chapter 5, beginning in verse 7, James writes, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield his valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because, of the, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have, have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Let's pray. Jesus, this is your word, and we pray that you would bring your word to life. 
We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you are kind, that you are compassionate, and that you are full of mercy. So give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Soften hard hearts today and grant us uh, a willingness to, uh, to receive from you and then the courage to respond to what you say to us today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so patience and perseverance, big theme in this passage. In fact, these words show up a number of times. The word patience, the Greek word for patience, shows up four times in this passage. Uh, The word that's translated perseverance occurs twice in this passage. Now, the words in, in Greek and probably in English as well are similar, right? Patience and perseverance. But there there are slight differences. Patience has the idea of waiting. Um, It has the idea of of waiting with calm and with expectancy. Perseverance has the idea of of patient endurance and pushing through hardships. And so here's our challenge today. What James is teaching us is that you and I need to cultivate patience and perseverance in our lives. And if you're like me uh, and you want to exercise, uh, you know, I've been blessed with the spiritual gift of sarcasm that when people say to me, David, you need to be more patient, my response usually is like, really? I know I need to be more patient. No kidding, I need to be more patient. I I get that. Um, But how? How do I become more patient? How do I learn to persevere? That's the question that I have. Well, I think James can help us out here because he offers us three windows in in, in what it looks like to cultivate patience and perseverance in our lives. And the first window is he gives us this image of a farmer. Uh, The second window, he he gives us this picture of uh, what it means, what it looks like if we live in harmony with one another. And in the third window, he gives us some examples. He talks about some prophets and, and, and this guy named Job. And so the first image he gives us is that of a farmer. And uh, I love the flow of James's letter. Um, you know, much of the uh, letter he's pointing to some of the major issues that the church is facing, and there are a lot of issues that the church is facing. Uh, this is a church that gets a lot of things wrong, <laughs> kind of like the church today. But again, James, even though the church gets a lot of things wrong, you'll see it in this passage that James is showing a lot of care and compassion and love towards uh, the people in the church. You know, he says, be patient then, brothers and sisters. He calls them brothers and sisters. The same people he's been rebuking, he now addresses in in very uh, warm terms, brothers and sisters. And I think James, uh, he models what it means to live our lives with grace and truth, something that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Look at verse 7. He says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. He calls the church to be patient. Uh, And he says, Be patient until the Lord's coming. Now, we can't miss this. A lot of people today, um, I mean, if you're to characterize much of our culture today, it's, it's a culture of impatience. And uh, we're told again and again that we need to act now. Um, 
You know, people will say to me, don't you see, David, what's going on in the world? We need to get going. We need to do something now. Look at the injustice in our world. Look at, look at our rights are being taken away or, or we need to flatten the curve now or, you know, you can't let them get away with that. Don't you realize what's going on? And so everything is loaded. Everything is loaded with a sense of impatience and we gotta act now. And you feel the urgency in the world. And James talks about patience. Patience, yeah, patience. James says we, we need to be patient. Now why do we need to be patient? Well, he says very clearly, he says we need to be patient. Uh, we need to be patient until the Lord's coming. The Lord is coming, Jesus will return. So somehow patience is connected to the returning of Jesus Christ. Well, what does the return of Jesus Christ have to do with anything? Well, as it turns out, it has to do, it has to do uh, with everything. Um, because, you know what, the fact that Jesus, as, as Christians, we believe that there will come a day where Jesus will return. Um, and what that teaches us is something really important. It teaches us that the world that we live in will not go on forever. That history has a beginning and an end. And, and Jesus is the frame of all human history. We read in the book of Revelation that he is the Alpha and the Omega. That he is the first and the last. That he is the beginning and the end. And, and, and God's story um, of this world has a beginning and an end. And in Jesus, you and I are, are invited to participate in a story, but it's, it's not a story that'll just go on forever. It, there will be an end, and it ends with Jesus' return. And that inaugurates a new heavens, new earth. You can read about this uh, again in the book of Revelation. So it tells us that the world will not go on forever. Secondly, um, it tells us in the words of the 14th century mystic Julian of Norwich, uh, that all shall be well, all shall be well. Because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in history, we know, and I've said this before, that the worst that we can ever experience will not have the final word. The final word, according to the story of God, is life and love, right? And it teaches us that part of our calling as followers of Jesus Christ is to wait and to watch and to be patient which is really hard to do in a world that's so impatient. But we are, we are called to cultivate expectant lives as we wait and we watch for the return of Jesus. Okay, so what does this patience look like? Well, James gives us a pretty good illustration. He talks about a farmer, right? Um, <laughs> which, you know, a farmer, it's hard for us to get our heads around, especially as we live in, in the urban jungles. Um, but he writes of a farmer, and he says a farmer... Uh, waits, ex waits patiently and expectantly um, for his harvest, for his precious harvest, um, and for the autumn and spring rains. From, from my understanding, in the Eastern Mediterranean, there are, there are two seasons of rain that are normal and that are needed for a successful crop, unlike here where we have like one season of rain until the summer and then no rain. Um, but for the farmer, if you don't get water, things tend not to grow very well. 
but, but the farmer, here's the thing. The farmer really has no control over the weather. He can sow properly. He can have good soil. But unless the rains come, nothing is going to grow. And he needs to be patient and wait for the rains to come. Now, I'm no farmer. I did work on a farm, though, a long time ago. But uh, one of the things that I've taken up during COVID is gardening. <laughs> I'm a terrible gardener. But uh, I... I I kind of learned to enjoy it. Um, and one of the things I'm learning about, about gardening is that um, you need to be patient. And this is a challenge for me. <laughs> I'm not a very patient person. Uh, but when you're impatient, things do not turn out the way you hoped. I mean, for example, last year I bought a, uh, like so in the middle of COVID, I bought a raised bed and I got some good soil. I think it was good soil. Put it in the raised bed. And then I had to plant something. I didn't know what to plant, so I bought, you know, some tomato seeds and carrots and lettuce and kale, those four things. And, and so um, I brought my daughter, Rachel. We went out in the backyard. And I said, all right, let's plant some seeds. And she goes, well, how far apart should the seeds be? I'm like, it doesn't matter. She goes, well, it's set. I said, it doesn't matter. Just throw down the seeds. And the more seeds, I figure, the better, right? The more plants you're going to get. And so we planted like lots of carrots. And I didn't know you're supposed to actually start planting tomatoes inside and then transplant them. We just planted tomato plants and kale. The only thing that really grew was the kale and the, uh, and the lettuce um, because we didn't plant it properly. And so the carrots were like this big. But all to say, I've been learning about gardening. And I'm learning that uh, you need to create space for things to grow. Um, and it matters if you get enough water, enough rain, and it matters if plants get enough sun. But a lot of those things are out of our control. And a lot of gardening is waiting and watching. And that's James's point, I think, here, is we need to patiently watch and wait, knowing that this world will not go on forever, it has, but history has a beginning and an end, it is framed by the person of Jesus Christ himself. And now, in the meantime, we don't just twiddle our thumbs. No, there's lots of things we can do, like using the farming metaphor. We, we plant, we cultivate, we weed. I learned you have to weed if you're going to garden. But you do this with a heart of patience, recognizing that the work has to be done by God. Right? Most of the hard work is done by God. Um, and so we wait and we watch and we cultivate a heart of patience instead of frenetically and anxiously thinking we're in control. So that's the first image that James gives us. The second image is this picture of harmony in the church and also the lack of harmony. Look at verse 9. It says, um, Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Now, there are many themes uh, that we covered a couple weeks ago on this. But here's the thing. Whenever you and I are impatient, we will grumble. I mean, when you're stuck at a light, like I was this morning, uh, when you're in a hurry, you'll grumble at the car in front of you. You'll say witty things like that light's not going to get any greener. Um, or you're at Starbucks, let's say, for example, and, and, and you're in a long line and you're waiting and the person in front of you decides only to begin thinking about what he or she wants to order when they get to the front uh, to order and you're thinking you had all this time to decide, you grumble. 
right? Uh, you go on the news at 3.30 and you hear the report and the case numbers and you're told that you have three more weeks of, lock, of lockdown. What do you do? You grumble. See, the, the point is simple, that there's a direct connection between impatience and grumbling. And impatience not only causes us to grumble, but it also causes us, uh, James is pointing out, to, to judge our neighbor. We say things like, where did you learn to drive? Uh, who put you in charge? Uh, but here's the thing, to grumble against someone is to judge them. Um, and as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we need to be careful when we judge someone's behavior. Why? Because there is only one lawgiver, there's only one judge, Jesus himself. And, and so before you grumble or call your brother and sister some name, recognize this, that what's James say? The true judge is standing at the door. That's how close he is. He, the true judge is standing at the door. He is present in your midst. And so don't grumble against this person. Uh, don't be shutting the book on somebody in judgment because this judgment will fall upon you as well. And my man, John Newton, in the 18th century, I was reading this this uh, past week, and he said something really interesting. He's talking about judgment. He says this, quote, he says, For my own part, he goes, If my pocket was full of stones, I have no right to throw one at the greatest backslider on earth. He goes, even if my pocket was full of stones, I have no right to throw it at any of you know, my brothers or sisters. Why? He says, I have either done as bad or worse than he. Or I certainly should if the Lord had left me a little to myself. For I am made of the same materials. If there be any difference between me and him, it's holy of grace. I like that. So, if impatience is a, is a problem, if it brings disharmony in the community, James, James turns, turns our attention, where do we find models where we can learn how to be patient and to persevere? Well, he gives us a couple of models. Look at verse 10. He says, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion, compassion and mercy. He says you need to read the prophets from the Old Testament. And when you do, you quickly learn that they are messengers of God who experienced no shortage of suffering from people who frankly did not want to hear what they had to say. Uh, we read that the prophets spoke in the name of the Lord. Speaking in the name of the Lord, in the time of the prophets, or even in our time, is, is always hazardous. But to speak God's truth, and to do so faithfully and patiently to the very end, despite the hazards that you would face, is to be counted as blessed. That's what James is saying. And then he points out this guy, Job. Now, if you, if you know the, your Old Testament, you'll know about a guy named Job. If you don't know about Job, it's, it's a really interesting story. Um, you'll know that, he, well, he's, he's a fellow that suffered unimaginably. Um, he lost everything, everything. And uh, the big question in the book of Job is, how is he going to respond to God after he experiences such, horrible, uh, such a horrible experience? And so he does complain. If you read the book of Job, he does complain. But who does he complain to? He complains to God. 
because he knows that what was happening, that the person he needs to bring his complaints to is God, because God is still sovereign. And despite what he had experienced, he knew that God is still compassionate and merciful, and he would continue to trust in him and persevere. And so for the prophets and for Job, suffering taught them patience and perseverance. It taught them actually how to wait upon the Lord. Now, let's just bring this home because I want to just look at briefly what are the implications to what James is teaching us today? Well, it, what he's saying is, is that when you and I experience hardships, and here's the thing, many of you have experienced great hardships this past year. You've lost loved ones. Um, you've, you've suffered, you know, financially. Um, you know, you've experienced um, loneliness, isolation, anxiety about the state of the world. And when, when we're in the midst of this, our lives can go one of two ways. One, when we're experiencing this, we, we try to get on top of things. We try to seize control. But here's the thing, how do you get on top of a global pandemic? You can't. It doesn't work, and then you just get more anxious. And a lot of people are feeling very anxious these days. But the other way we can respond is to look at the way of the prophets, the way of Job, uh, and the, what, what James is teaching us. And that is we learn to wait and to watch by keeping all things in the right perspective. Now, I want to give you a picture of what this looks like because, um, and those of you who have taken any church history with me, you, you know I've talked about this, but um, in the early church, in the first couple hundred years, um, the church actually talked a lot about patience. All right? The church is experiencing incredible um, persecution at times from the Roman Empire. A lot of Christians were being arrested, being killed. And uh, the church, actually during the first few hundred years, wrote a number of treatises just on the importance of patience, which is interesting. Now, what is the good of patience when you're under pressure? Well, an early church philosopher, a guy named Tertullian, says this. He says, impatience always leads to hopelessness. Um, this is what he writes. He says, quote, now, nothing undertaken through impatience can be transacted without violence. And everything done with violence has either met with no success or has collapsed or plunged to its own destruction. So he's saying this. He says, we need to be patient. Why? Because patience um, is, a is a characteristic revealed in God's very character. God is patient. He's oh so patient with us. Um, it is revealed in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. In, at the right time, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. When you're patient, um, you resist manipulation. You resist manipulating outcomes. When you're patient, you, you push against the hurry sickness of the culture. And here's the thing, when you're patient, you're not violent. Whenever you combine the desire for change with impatience, what you get is violence. Patience 
promotes freedom. Because when you're talking to someone, you give them space to grow. And patience is always hopeful because it places the future, it places your life in God's hands, knowing that all shall be well. Now, a couple last things. One is this, is that patience does not mean, again, that we, we just sit back and that we're passive. <laughs> I would say it's, it's a lot harder to be patient in the world today than to be impatient. It's easy to be impatient. Uh, patience requires us every single day to set our hearts, to, as James said, establish our hearts, to set our hearts on the things of God. And I don't know about you, but it takes a lot of effort for me to maintain perspective, to be patient, to be prayerful in an anxious, angry world. And so, man, I would say uh, we listen to Proverbs where we're taught to guard our hearts, right? To guard our hearts. And um, I know this sounds very practical, and I, but if you have the news on 24 hours at your home, I guarantee you, you are cultivating a, an anxious, restless heart. Um, you really need to guard your heart in these days. There's just so much vitriol, so much anger, so much um, fear in our world. And so what are you taking in? Because what you take in will shape your heart. Henry Nouwen, um, one of my favorite writers, he's a Catholic priest, uh, writer on the spiritual life until he died in 1997. He asked the question, how do we deal with all the allures of the world? And he says, we, we do this by resisting its priorities. Instead, allowing the kingdom of God to shape our hearts. And this is what he says. He says, quote, he says, Jesus tells us to set our hearts on the kingdom. Setting our hearts on something involves not only serious aspiration, but actually strong determination. A spiritual life requires human effort. The forces that keep pulling us back into a worry-filled life are far from easy to overcome, even more so now. And the last thing is this, is that adversity is actually the vehicle for patience and perseverance. James teaches us that when we're patient, uh, when we persevere in adversity, something like COVID, we are being formed for the good. And I, I was thinking about this this week. I was thinking about uh, this uh, generation, the younger generation growing up this past year with the challenges of COVID. And I wonder what kind of uh, impact this will have upon them, upon you, <laughs> um, in years to come. I think it's going to cultivate um, my desire, I hope, it'll cultivate a growing sense of patience and perseverance in, in our culture. There's a fellow named uh, Thomas Akempis, great writer on the spiritual life. He wrote this book called The Imitation of Christ in the 15th century. And he says this, he says, quote, he says, temptations can be useful to us, even though they can cause us nothing but pain. They're useful because they make us humble. They can cleanse us. They can teach us. It says, all the saints, all the saints have passed through uh, times of temptation and tribulation, and they use them to make progress in the spiritual life. And no one is completely free of temptations because the source of temptations, as James points out, is actually within ourselves. And we cannot win the battle 
by running away alone. The key to victory, according to Thomas Akempis, is true humility and patience. In them, we overcome the enemy. And so, today, this day, our call is to guard our hearts and to learn patience and perseverance. And we do this by holding on to the rock-solid truth that because of Jesus Christ, all shall be well. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. He is good. Um, he loves you deeply. And, um, and he will keep you. He will keep you and he will sustain you. If you trust in him, he will sustain you to the very end. Do you believe this? May this be our prayer. In fact, let's pray. God of all grace, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you are compassionate and merciful. We thank you that because of the return of Jesus Christ, all shall be well, that history has a beginning and an end, that the story that you have written for this world in which we can participate because of Jesus Christ uh, will not go on forever, but will come to an end. And we know that... Um, the worst thing that we could ever experience will not be the last thing, but the last thing is life and love, the new heavens, the new earth, and eternity in the presence of the one who is love. And, with, and teach us then, Lord, to one, number our days, but secondly, to live our lives with the end in mind. And in doing so, may you cultivate a heart of patience and perseverance in us. Lord, there's so much in our world that's threatening to distract us, to pull us down, to make us anxious and afraid. Lord, we pray that you would teach us to guard our hearts and that we would make the effort to guard our hearts and that we would live before an audience of one attentive to you and you alone. That's our desire. We bring that before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks.